Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson, underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to talk about what the point of networking is, why you should network, even as a TV writer, and how you should network. Now, I know a lot of people are wondering, oh, should I meet like an agent first or a manager or a development person or anything like that? But really, it's all about the why, not the who, right? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of missing the point. You're not meeting people because you want them to give you a job or to rep you and that kind of thing. Those are very formal, like official meetings that you get in different ways. Um, you really want to start by building actual relationships with people and not just one-off transactions, even if they could potentially get you in front of an agent or something. You know, you're not there just for a means to an end they are people too i think there's also this belief that when you go to mixers or networking events you need to get like the most business cards possible or you need to talk to everyone in the room otherwise you fail at life here's the thing like i i believe that networking is not a game of pokemon and by, <laughs> and by that i mean you should not go out there to like quote unquote cash them all you know you should not go out there just to get business cards or numbers in your in your rolodex i was yeah, gonna your, say your, your fire type is not gonna be good against their grass type or something. <laughs> i'm Literally. pretty sure that's exactly what alex <laughs> that's was trying to say exactly what i'm trying to say uh but no i mean the point is you need to always bring it to one-on-one relationship even if you only connect with one person out of 200 people in a room of like a thousand, that one person with whom you have a real connection is more valuable than a hundred empty business cards. Yeah. And I can tell you from first-hand experience that everyone can tell who that one person is who's really trying to work the room hard yeah. and who is kind of like, just, I don't know, there's almost like a smarminess to it that like everyone kind of gets put off by it. It's like, you're not really caring about them and who they are and whatever. You're kind of just like painting by numbers, like ask you the questions you need to get their contact information and then how will you read my script kind of thing like, don't be that guy it's almost like when after they ask you a question of like oh what do you do or like who are you and you answer and if it's not the answer they're looking for they have this kind of glazed over look yeah suddenly. it just like switches off like how can i get out of this conversation as fast as possible to someone who can do something for me you know yeah i mean it should never be about what can you do for me it's really about building connections which is the primary point of this entire podcast yeah exactly in that respect it's still worthwhile thinking about about like who you can be meeting and who you can be talking to not in like such a directional way that you're like i'm going to meet i'm going to stalk this person on their facebook and find <laughs> a way to meet them kind of thing but just like a general sense of what kinds of people are worthwhile networking with let's take a look at who on the ladder is better suited for uh, your networking opportunities yeah so i mean you can think about it in kind of like three tiers almost there are people who are at the same level as you on those kind of like lower ends we're looking at assistants pas all those kind of people uh then you've got like the very top tier people like we're talking literal showrunners producers working writers and that kind of thing and then there's those people who are somewhere in the middle they're kind of moving their way up from that assistant level they're now kind of like coordinators they are managers they are you know like junior agents um maybe they just got staffed on their first tv show all that kind of thing so in general the people on the bottom are kind of happy to meet everyone like like i talked about yeah you know, meeting people episode you shoot an email out to them you're like hey do you want to grab drinks like we're just we're both assistants we'll get to chat we'll know each other we'll chat about our lives and that kind of thing that's cool like most people are very happy to do that if they have the time and then the people at the top 
you will find that if you have a way to kind of get to them in terms of, you know, someone introduces you or as a connection, they will often be happy to give back and give you a little bit of advice. You know, depending on how busy they are, they might not have time to sit down and have coffee with you or have a meal or whatever, but they might shoot you an email back. Um, they might jump on the phone and talk to you and that kind of thing. It really depends on if you have a good reason to contact them. For example, last year I was at the, uh, I attended the New York Television Festival as an official artist. And the way the festival works is every day you have kind of one-on-one -on -one panels, intimate panels with the artists and one of the heads of different companies. Um, whether those people were executives and networks, production companies, agencies. Uh, for example, one of the people there was uh, Adam Berkowitz, who is the co-head of uh, TV packaging at CA. So really kind of like high-level, top-tier executives. And once I got back to uh, LA, I really started emailing a couple of specific people who said really interesting things on their panels. And I emailed them on the kind of like a personal level, thanking them for their time, thanking them for their advice. And off of that, I mean, obviously, a, a few did not respond because they were like high level executives. Yeah. But I did get a couple of responses. And off of that, I did get a few uh, one on ones and general meetings uh, with some of them, including like someone at Fox and Funny or Die. My, my example of that is, um, after I was moving down from Vancouver, the director that I'd worked for there, you know, liked me enough that he wanted to help kind of put me in touch with a few people. And uh, he said that one of his friends was a showrunner for TV who just got this show. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, it wasn't exactly in the same world. I wanted to be in comedy. He was in drama. But this guy had done the same thing as I was about to do and worked his way up from an assistant and, and been a staff writer and ended up with his own show and everything. So, you know, he was a good friend of my boss's and he thought that he would be happy to kind of, you know, have a chat to me every now and then. So, so I emailed him, we emailed back and forth a few times, we ended up having a couple of reasonably long phone conversations, which was great. And I just kind of kind of ask him advice about the industry and how to, you know, make a good impression on people and all that kind of thing. All the while, this guy is busy running uh, a really big show. He is one of the showrunners on American Gods. At the same time, he respected that his friend, you know, liked me enough that he thought it was worthwhile him chatting to me. So, you know, it's not like he was just like, well, I'm way too busy to talk to anyone below me. These people are still nice people and they're wanting to give back where they can. So don't be afraid to kind of explore those possibilities. Uh, I'm not expecting that he's going to sit down and like read my script or anything like that. But, you know, you'll take whatever you can get from those kind of people who can give that awesome advice. Right. And now that we've looked at the top tier and lower tier level of people, let's look at the middle tier, which is kind of controversial, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of difficult because you'll find the people who are around the middle are often the hardest to get a hold of and kind of, you know, sit down and have drinks with because not only are they not kind of like low enough and have few enough responsibilities that they have the time for that, but they haven't reached a sufficient level of those, those same top level people where they necessarily feel that responsibility to give back to everyone. So they are working as hard as they will ever work in their careers to advance up to that next level, you know, and it makes sense that they want to spend their time uh, networking with other people people who are around their level or higher and are going to help get them up to that next stage. They maybe don't have quite as much time to sit down with someone who's just arrived in LA and doesn't know anyone and you know whatever. The, the same kind of advice that they could give you is probably the advice that their assistant or someone below them right. can give you. These are people in some form or another of career transition. Yeah. Um, so these are people like junior agents, junior managers, junior executives, coordinators, even like lower level staff writers. They're kind of like in that first plateau where they just got that new gig, creative gig, whatever it is. And they're really trying to focus on like keeping those jobs and like yeah. really 
It's, uh, it's an incredible amount of responsibility in those positions and you really want to work hard and make a good impression. And so, uh, you're probably spending your time taking drinks with like other coordinators at agencies and, exactly. you know, uh, the people who you can be forging those relationships with and bringing things back to your boss and to your work and showing, Hey, I'm, I'm really going to like take a step up here rather than, yeah, literal kind of like someone who's just flown into LA. <laughs> And now let's take a step back and look at kind of the different ways you would be meeting these people. The two major ways would be the group slash mixers versus the one-on-ones. So how does that happen? As we said, the point of meeting people is to promote yourself and put yourself out there and get in the conversation. And the the first one, the groups and mixers are a really great way to discover new people, meet a lot of new people at once, but you're not necessarily going to be getting in depth with a lot of people. You know, you're just getting to kind of know them on a, on a most basic level, know their name, what they do, hopefully in some way find something to connect with mm-hmm. them on. Like we're saying, don't be that guy who's scudding around just seeing who's the most useful to them to, to talk to, but, um, you know, find a TV show that you both love or anything. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that in a second, but it's really about engaging on a very basic level and starting off that relationship. It's almost like we're going to talk about one-on-ones as first dates in a minute, uh, but I feel like group mixers are almost the step to that first date, asking someone out. It's it's funny, like a lot of the events are literally planned as a speed dating thing. So, And that's what you could draw an analogy to is like a group mixer is like speed dating, whereas one-on-one is like a first date. Yeah, and the the one-on-ones on the other hand are really about deepening that relationship. Once you've met them, then you get to really interact on a deeper level. Uh, there's different forms of one-on-ones. You can talk about drinks. We can talk about coffees, lunch. It could be at different locations, office versus at a bar or at a coffee shop. Yeah, some of those have different dynamics too. So like an after-work drinks, for example, is like pretty casual. That's like your stock standard, like getting to know someone thing. A coffee is maybe like almost a little less intimate. A coffee is kind of like a, a briefer thing where you could pick up a coffee and, um, you know, take a walk somewhere and anyone could leave at any time whereas a drinks kind of implies like a, at least an hour or two commitment to sitting down one-on-one with someone so there are subtle differences between each of these things um, that you'll pick up on eventually yeah and just looking at ways you can sort of get each one for the mixers you know you can just show up i mean it's basically the resources we gave in episode three about kind of that first step in, into meeting people uh now the one-on-ones are a bit different where it's really about finding that connection either through that conversation that you had at a mixer or through a mutual connection uh, with another person who can recommend you at some point. Yeah, exactly. Like I spoke about emailing different assistants that I had spoken to uh, and wanting to get to know them better. If you've started a new job and you find that you're constantly emailing with the same like agent's assistant or whatever, I think it's also a really good idea to take them out for a drink and get to know them uh, so that you can kind of like deepen that relationship and you're not just feeling like you're constantly exchanging work information and whatever. Like if you actually know them a little better, then maybe, you know, there are benefits to that. And they might give you the down low on what's really going on rather than kind of like fobbing you off every now and then, things like that. I was going to say, don't be afraid of asking people out, uh, not on actual dates, but really on those kind of like networking dates. There's this thing called the Benjamin Franklin effect, where if you ask someone a favor, that person will be more likely to consider you a friend. Benjamin Franklin, I believe, uh, used to have like some kind of enemy. And he asked that person if he could borrow one of his books. Right. And just that fact turned that enemy into a friend. So I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying like ask, you know, uh, go to library and ask to borrow books or anything like that. <laughs> but really just asking someone, oh, do you have like 
five minutes. I'd love to have a coffee or like conversation over the phone. I think anything like that is definitely in your ballpark. And if you haven't engaged directly with that person, whether meeting them at a mixer or having emailed or spoken to them on the phone, um, that's where kind of like recommendations and, and friends come in handy. If they know, let's say you're really interested in learning more about kind of being a TV lit agent assistant, or you know someone is a writer's assistant on a show that you love or something like that. And you're like, wow, I'd really love to just kind of pick their brain about stuff. And like, you're not going in asking them to get you a job on the show. You're going in being like, tell me what it's like to do what you do. Then that friend could be like, hey, let me, let's all get drinks together so that it's kind of like a thing. And um, you can chat to them there. And then, then you guys know each other and you can go off and do your own drinks one day if you want to. Kind of. Let's say you have this networking date or coffee or drinks. How should you behave and what should you say? To some people, this stuff might be obvious, but there are other people who maybe, you know, you're not a social butterfly and you're not really sure about the the kind of faux pas and what you should and shouldn't do on these like little networking kind of like get togethers. So in general, it's really just about getting to know each other. It's uh, the most basic fundamental social interaction of like t- exchange information about yourself and, uh, you know, just kind of talk about the things that you like and what you want to do. Um, so what you can do is talk about where you've come from. That's something really common that comes up all the time, like literally what country, what city, what university did you go to? What did you study? Another often mentioned one is the future. What are you looking forward to doing? Like, do you want to get staffed in a writer's room? Do you want to be a TV agent? All that kind of thing. What, what else can you talk about? Yeah, I mean, don't circle around the fact that you are a television writer or want to be one. As long as you are upfront and honest, but not pushy about it, I think it's fine to just say, oh, I want to be a writer or I want to write like a one hour drama or like a half hour comedy. Another big distinction between mixers and one-on-ones, as we said, mixers are more informal. So initially, there's a lot of small talk. And as foreigners, I think we've had our fair share of uh, feeling a bit like as outsiders. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. Every time I meet a new uh, American person or fellow American now that I'm a citizen, uh, they tend to talk a lot about their local town and their local college and their local sports team. <laughs> and I have literally no idea what, like, what are they even talking about? I'm the same way. I feel like sports in the countries that we come from are very different and uh, they're all like you know following college sports basketball teams and you know they're all like oh my god did you take this class with this person and they found out that they have like 10 mutual friends and they all laugh and then they're best friends forever and so we don't really have that advantage yeah, Nick, are you not a fan of like the Indiana, like couch potatoes? Isn't that, isn't that thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the Minneapolis, uh, Molly Poppers. They're uh, my favorite. <laughs> Molly Poppers. I have no idea what that is. Um, <laughs> but no, like to be honest, I'm someone who kind of experiences a bit of social anxiety every now and then. And those big kind of like noisy mixes where you can't hear what people are saying and you don't know who anyone is. It's very hard to just walk up to someone you don't know and be like, hi, my name is X. It's, it's tricky. Absolutely. And the advice I've been getting is transform that anxiety into excitement. There's a narrow gap between what anxiety feels like and what excitement feels like. So just transform that anxiety of meeting someone new into being excited to talk to them, Mm -hmm. to talk to a new person or talk about things you love to talk about. Yeah. The funny thing about me is that once I'm talking to people, it's great. It's fine. It's just that initial step where I have to actually go up and break the ice and talk to someone that I don't know what a mixer is really tricky for me. And that's where it's been 
handy to have a writing partner because she's great at coming and breaking the ice and then I can kind of get things flowing as we do that like I think nice. we're, we're at like a writer's guild event and we were like standing around and we didn't really know anyone because like often at these mixes you might know one person and they can start introducing you to people which mm-hmm. is a good tactic but if you don't know anyone at all it can be really intimidating so she literally went up to these other two guys and she's like hey you have a blue shirt my friend has a blue shirt we should talk like it's yeah. like literally just as dumb things like that it makes people laugh breaks the ice and then you guys are chatting i wish i had a partner uh in that respect uh as a solo writer i definitely don't have a buddy <laughs> to introduce me to people <laughs> bring well, a friend bring a friend bring to a, a friend. mixer you never that's know. actually a great idea i'll uh I'll, I'll bring you nick how about that do you want to go out on the sure let's do it but no literally if you bring another friend then at least in those awkward moments in between kind of meeting new people you can turn to them and have a chat so now let's talk about one-on-ones one-on-ones are definitely more casual and the conversation should also stay casual um you should be very respectful of their time especially if you ask like a mid-level higher level person for drinks or coffee keep in mind that it's they're coming to meet you after work most of the time so they've already had maybe a 10 or 12 hour day depending on what kind of job they're doing uh you don't want to keep them that long they might need to get home and have dinner or go see some their significant other so just yeah be be aware of keeping tabs on how long this is going for and if they're enjoying it speaking of significant other uh we do talk about these kinds of drinks as quote-unquote first dates but do not literally assume that these are romantic dates please yeah that is that is definitely a faux pas and that is something that people who aren't from la and aren't used to this kind of like drinks culture might not understand at first like you know if someone asks you out to drinks in in melbourne in australia then that to me implies like a date but here it is definitely not like drinks the default level for that is literally just getting to know people in a networking kind of fashion so don't as particularly with men and women it's obviously a can be an awkward thing if you know, you, you're going to get networking drinks with someone, but then there's an awkward tension. If someone thinks that it's something more than that, you just want to be very clear from the outset. Never assume that it's anything more than that. Don't do that to anyone and, and, and don't put yourself in that situation where it's unclear like that. Just keep things casual. The rule of thumb is basically the busier they are, uh, the more casual that first encounter should be uh, in person. Yeah, give them the option to kind of run and leave. Like if it's literally like, a- <laughs> like literally run and leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they might just kind of like throw the table over and throw a drink in your face and jump out the window and you got to be no, I'm joking. Isn't, but, isn't that a classic Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, but seriously, like if you're having kind of a coffee and then their lunch break, they might get a phone call. They might need to take it and run and that kind of thing. So don't feel like you are owed their time or anything like that. You're yeah. not entitled to anything. And just to continue on that, like first date analogy, uh, don't make out on the first date, you know, like don't be pushy about, oh, can I send you my script? I really want your notes on this. Let them come to you instead. If they ask to read your stuff, then by all means, otherwise don't. Yeah, that's why it's a great idea to mention that you're a writer and not be ashamed of that. But don't be pushy about like, I'd love if you if you read my script, like they might ask, what are you working on? Or what kind of stuff do you write? That's your opportunity to be like, oh, I'm a comedy writer. And I just finished writing the script about X and Y. If they prompt you further, and they're like, wow, that sounds so funny. I'd love to read it. Great. Send it to them. But if you're like, I'm a comedy writer, I just wrote this thing. And they're like, oh, that's really nice. Anyway, and they change the topic. Don't later on be like, oh, could you please read my <laughs> script? Like that's generally an indicator that they're not interested. By the way, Nick, I do have this script. I'd love for you to read. <laughs> yeah. This is this has been a long play by Alex to uh, <laughs> to get me to come in and do a podcast so I can read his script. But uh, just to go back to the one on ones on the scheduling side, I think uh, we should point out that it is very common in LA, especially to 
have people reschedule, you know, 50, 100 times uh, a week. <laughs> I mean, not literally that many not times, literally. but yeah, like it's very common to have your drinks pushed two, uh-huh. three times kind of thing uh, because things come up at the last minute or, you know, whatever. That's fine. And you just need to accept that. Like they're not trying to like fob you off or anything uh, yeah. in most circumstances. Exactly. I mean, especially with the med people that we mentioned, I've had a couple of drinks uh, mutually being pushed back since uh, probably January now. Definitely happens. Although don't confuse that with ghosting, which I'm sure we'll be talking about in some future podcasts. Yeah. Uh, if people just literally never reply to your emails or texts, just maybe assume that they're not interested. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things to think about when you are deepening those relationships with people after you first met them is what do you have to offer rather than thinking about what you can kind of like take from them or they can give to you? Uh, how can you kind of build some some value in yourself that they might be interested in continuing that relationship? One of the biggest fear uh, in terms of networking is this question of like, what are we going to talk about? There's this awkward silence right now. I can't like continue the conversation. And there's really two sides to networking. Uh, there's the giving and the getting. And you are only in control of the giving, right? Like mm-hmm. it is in your best interest to quote unquote work that side, that the one that you control uh, up to 100%. And usually, as we said, like when you give people something, they'll usually want to give you more back. That's the reciprocity principle. Yeah, be generous. One of the things you can do is build a resource list or anything like that of what you are interested in to share and discuss. So practically speaking, I have my own list occasionally of things that interest me or things that I want to discuss with friends, family, other people that I meet at networking events. Uh, it can be a show I really enjoyed, like BoJack Horseman, or a book, an article I read, or an information I learned, a tip, tricks, anything like that in yeah. an event. And we're not saying that you literally need to like unravel a scroll in front of them and be like, <laughs> one, BoJack Horseman, have you watched it? Um, but, you know, have those things in mind uh, and kind of like riff off of them if they're talking about how they work in TV comedy or animation or something like, oh my God, have you seen the second season of BoJack? It's so great. And you guys can kind of riff back and forth about that. Exactly. I think a big misconception about this idea of like, oh, what can I offer them is it's all about the jobs or your career or like that kind of stuff. It's really not not about that. It's really about before you go out to Mixer or some event, think of three resources or tips, shows, opportunities, whatever it is that you like to discuss and you are actually enthused about talking about with someone else. Yeah. And and if you are meeting with a specific person, if it's not a general Mixer, then you can tailor that to them as well. Exactly. You know their interests or their fields of interest. So uh, another thing that you can do uh, in terms of offering things to these people is someone that you've met. You can make introductions. Once you've started chatting and you realize the things they're interested in, um, particularly if it is like, oh, I want to get into um, maybe music supervision or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, I have this friend who works over at you know WME in the music department and I heard they're looking for new people. Let me set you guys up for a drink. So that's a really valuable thing that you could do for them. You know, it's, it's happened to me before where I've been talking about, hey, I'm a TV comedy writer. Um, I just finished writing uh, like a Rick and Morty spec for a fellowship and someone's actually been like, oh, well, I know like John Johnson over at Starburns, which is the studio that makes Rick and Morty. And he's like, let me read your Rick and Morty script. I'm not going to promise you that I'll, like, I'll send it to him or anything, but if I find it really funny, who knows? So um, you make up that story because Johnson, I don't know a Johnson at Starburns. <laughs> well, yes, the name is made up. I'm not going to like, you know, like I reveal the actual person. Exactly. So um, just to jump off on that a lot of people in my mind, especially lower level assistants, aspiring writers, feel very protective about people they they know and the things they know, uh, understandably so. But there's 
I feel like that level of sharing or like that lack of sharing is uh, almost detrimental to the uh, well-being of the industry because it's really about other people introducing other people to other people. Oh, basically. totally. This entire like industry is about who knows who and all that kind of thing. And in, in, in that way, it doesn't mean that like I know this person, I'm going to hide that fact mm-hmm. from everyone and no one should know because they're my resource and my friend. Like everyone else knows that person too. And so it, in fact, it might even like make you seem better in someone else's eyes exactly. if, you have, if you can be open about which relationships you have with people more valuable absolutely and it's not just relationships it's also you know information that you know or events that you are attending uh don't be protected i feel like unless you literally signed an nda about something the more you share i feel the better you'll be exactly and then well, that's not to say that you know if you are lucky enough to be friends with like a showrunner or something every writer you meet you're not going to be sure. like hey let me put your script in front of them but you know you could mention that you're uh, you know, give instead of just receiving. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're trying to say. Another thing you can look at doing, particularly if you're meeting other writers and that kind of thing, is maybe offer to give notes on their script. Or, you know, another really great thing is to exchange scripts with each other and be like, hey, you know, let's give each other thoughts and feedback. So it's not just a one sided thing with one person is reading a script and saying, yes or no, it's like, here are some points. Here are some. Exactly. I mean, uh, if you're a fellow aspiring writer, don't be afraid to exchange scripts with other aspiring writers, uh, whether online or in person, there's other tools that you have at your arsenal that you can offer, uh, maybe social media experience, something like that, which is definitely going to be more valuable to someone else than to you potentially. Yeah, totally. I attended a table read with uh, some writers that one of my, a friend of mine connected me with, and they just needed more people to like read the roles in the script and to give them notes at the end of it. And um, by the time we got through it, that we gave them back some notes, my writing partner and I, and they actually liked them so much that they kept in touch with us. They had a pilot that they'd had set up at Comedy Central mm. that was, you know, at the very last stage about to be kind of greenlit. And then so we gave them notes on that pilot and unfortunately the pilot didn't end up going but through that the people that i met and the people they recommended me to helped me get like a, a general meeting at comedy central so oh that's awesome yeah as we've been saying meeting people is really about sharing experiences and knowledge not about just taking and using people just for your desired outcome you want to generate value for yourself whether that means having a list of things you'd like to share or people you want to meet I know it's kind of like hippy-dippy, but it is actually true. And you can apply that in general to life as well, like not just this industry, as you don't want to be kind of like just looking for what you can take from other people. Like look at what value you can generate and share that with other people. So Exactly. And now let's talk a little bit about what happens if you hit the jackpot and someone cares about you. <laughs> what? To give you an that happens? Yeah, that does happen occasionally. <laughs> How should you prepare? Well, so if you meet someone and they they actually want to read your stuff you should have scripts ready to be read like if you're a writer and you go out there and you tell people you're a writer you should never say that without having actually written something there are so many people in this town that are like oh i i'm i think i'm like an actor writer director producer (laughs) and uh yeah i just really love like writing oh cool what have you written like i haven't written anything like per se but like i'm thinking about it so like don't be that person Try to um, actually have something that's ready and produced and ready to show to people because if you get lucky enough that you've met someone who is like, oh, cool, I'm actually looking for like a horror screenplay like my boss it needs new horror writers, maybe I can get you in. 
and you're like, oh, oh, I'm only at like the outline stage. Yeah, I have a rule of thumb of never talking in details about a project until I'm at least in first draft. Because otherwise, I feel like it jinxes my own want to like write the project. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to be like, I'm working on this, this, and this. And like, oh, that one sounds really interesting. And all you've got for it is a log line. And then they're like, send it to me when you're done. And then like 12 months later, you're like, oh, by the way, it's mm. done now. And they're like, wait, what was that? Who are you? Like, Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a psychological thing. I think specifically for weight loss where if you say you are going to do something instead of actually doing it you're less likely to do it so let's oh, say really? if you say like oh i'm going to work out three times a week the next like six months or whatever you are less likely to do that than not saying anything at all and just working out three just times a week it? yeah exactly that makes um, a lot of sense so i think it's the same thing with scripts like don't just say oh i have this like epic sci-fi feature and not have anything yeah like, and yeah. not just scripts but even resumes if you're yeah. moving here to town have an updated resume ready to go i'm not saying you need to print it out and bring it with you to your meeting to, to your <laughs> no drinks. hard copies please. yeah um but like if someone's like oh we're looking for someone at our work or i keep i get all these job postings all the time be ready to go home later that night an hour or two later and and email them your resume so that they can pass it on to people don't be like oh i, I haven't updated it for like a year and i need to put these extra things on It'll give me a while they'll forget about you especially those lower level assistant gigs whether that's redis pa office pa redis assistant like all these jobs literally get filled in a matter of hours not days, not weeks, hours. Like if someone it's offers crazy. you the opportunity, oh, I, I know about this like opening on the 100 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you should send me your resume. Do that within like an hour of meeting that person. Yeah, if you get it to him a week later, the person's probably already been working for five days. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're already in training in season three. Yeah, they probably already got a, a, a freelance script. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. Just quit. Just quit. They're already kosher running that sure by the time you've sent your resume in for it. <laughs> So let's take a look at some of the takeaways from today's episode. What's number one, Alex? Uh, number one takeaway is just networking is about making friends and building long-lasting relationships, not just, what can you do for me now, man? Exactly. And everyone will hate you if you are that person. So number two, know the difference between mixers, which are less personal, and one-on-ones, which you know are roughly equivalent to like a first date in a platonic way. Number three would be don't be pushy or demand things when you meet someone new. That's a good way to never meet them again. <laughs> um, number four, figure out what you can actually give to other people before thinking about what they can do for you. Build that list of resources and those things that you know that you can offer to others. And number five, if you're lucky enough that someone cares about you and wants to read your stuff or help you out with a job, be ready. Have a resume, have a script ready to be sent out. Time is of the essence. Yeah. And uh, what are some resources we can give to our fine uh, listeners? Right. So for me, and this is going to sound incredibly obvious because I know almost everyone listening to this will have one, but Facebook. I think people actually underestimate how much you can use it to advance your career rather than just procrastinate from writing. The amount of networking stuff you can get done by joining Facebook groups like we talked about last time. You know, let's say you've had like a fun conversation interaction on a friend's wall post with someone else. Else and you realize that, that you know they're in the industry as well or whatever shoot them a message and then like interact and add them as a friend and go out for a drink and that kind of thing um you know use your discretion about that but particularly with facebook groups there's a there's a great way that you can just kind of you know find events and, and meet people and really expand your network online there are tons of people that i have as a facebook friend and i've chatted to a lot that i still haven't had the chance to mm -hmm. even go and get a drink with but i know if i needed to chat to them about something or whatever i still have them in my network 
It's definitely one of the most informal, casual ways of connecting with people. Yeah, um, there's is- no obligation to it, really. Like, they can just ignore your friend request if, you, if they want to, <laughs> or they can add you and never talk to you again. But either way, open up those channels of communication. Right. And uh, the two resources I'll be mentioning, uh, one is this book uh, called Make Your Contacts Count. It's pretty much one of the best books on networking I've ever read. It is really straightforward advice and content on both short and long-term strategies, conversations you can have and just assessing your own skills and mindset. Uh, the second resource I want to mention is this app called Full Contact. Uh, Full Contact is what it's called a CMS or contact management software. Uh, as the name implies, it's basically a fancy way of managing contacts. So this is an app, a free app that's available on both iOS and Android. It also has a web interface and it, it really backs up your contacts, syncs it up across multiple accounts, whether that's Google, iCloud, Exchange, whatever it is and also syncs with any social networks that uh, you may have. So if you have Twitter followers, anything like that, it's going to sync all everything up uh, based on the emails and everything like that. Huh, I did uh, not know about that. I might have to download it. You should definitely do it. It's really useful. I mean, maybe not when you have like 15 contacts in your phone, but when you are in this industry and you have literally hundreds and hundreds of names in your Rolodex or virtual Rolodex, uh, it's definitely the, one of the most useful apps uh, I have. Right. So we would like to thank everyone for uh, taking the time to listen to us. Um, please leave a review on paperteam.co slash iTunes. That's .co, not .com. Any of those iTunes reviews will help the show get new listeners and build our community. And you can find us online at TV Calling. And I'm at underscore NJ Watson. We would love any feedback, thoughts, and opinions you have on our show. And uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Yeah, next week, we're going to talk about uh, having a TV writing routine. TV writing has a very specific schedule. And even if you're not on staff right now, you should have your own writing schedule and your own routine. And we're going to talk about how we do things and how maybe you should be doing things too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.